0: Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is a man who knows that sometimes when justice needs to be served, you have to call the police like a normal person, the Macho Mandrew. Andrew
1: Lano, like Jesus H, guys.
0: (laughs) And look, this is not a Police Defender podcast, the police do many dumb, bad things, but buying a bazooka to shoot people who sell drugs is kind of an insane response to that. Yeah, let's just, off the bat, we'll just dive in with that. It's <laughs> Wait, we should say that we're here. Oh. We should say what we're doing. We You're should right. say what we're doing. This is part two of Forbuary. 2018, our crime and punishment edition of February. Last time we brought you Police Academy 4, which was wacky hijinks with the police, and this time we're bringing you vigilante justice in the form of Charles Bronson and Death Wish 4. So you know what that means. We gotta
1: go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your cocaine. Something's gotta be done about your cocaine. When the mega powers
0: explode, I'm talking about the 80s. Great Scott Cream of the crop Mega oh, power, oh, 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 yeah When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit We have to send a huge thank you to listener Sophie who put together a bingo game that is on our Facebook page and on Twitter, twitter.com slash dissect the 80s, and it's uh, dissecting the 80s on Facebook. It's a bingo game where you can, like, listen to the show, and the things that we say are all, like, our classic, you know, the bag of soup. Making fun of each other. You know, thank mom for listening to the podcast. I say bananas or something like that. (laughs) <laughs> the most amusing thing was obviously it was very cool. And we shared it all around and I was shown it to some friends and family like, what a cool thing. Somebody listens to the show made this. That's amazing. <laughs> Mom said she forgot Bone Town, which is like a horrifying thing <laughs> to hear your mother yeah, no say. Thanks. So, no thanks, um, Mom.
1: Well, because Mom hated that we said the word boning, so yeah. we like curtailed it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we changed it. Yeah, yeah. But so yeah, so, yeah, so uh, I thought it was a really good list, and, and it was nicely mixed. That like there were a few different ways you could score the bingo. It wasn't like you know you know it's only going to be the B column or whatever. It was it was well put together. So thank you again, uh, Sophie. And uh, you know if you ever if you ever want to timestamp, write it down, send us a picture. We would obviously post that too. If you you know you want to play along, if you get a bingo, we would love to see it.
1: Yeah, write the minutes, write the minute second in each thing. And it was like this is the episode I watch it. Yeah. And at
0: 1410, they did this. <laughs> yeah. At two minutes they derailed. Exactly. That would be that would be so cool. I wonder if there's an episode where you could get the whole card. Cause I think it's probably possible. Not a guarantee.
1: I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it was it's probably either uh Christmas, the one magic Christmas, or um was it not Slumber Party Massacre? It was the House and Sorority Row that we both enjoyed but had a very long sh- talk about.
0: Yeah, yeah. If, if, if you do get a whole card bingo, please reach out to us and let us know. We'll, we'll, we we, would love to see that. Uh, anyway, let's get back to this, this movie. Uh, but thank you again, Sophie. Uh, we really appreciate it. That was super, super cool. I have Movie Pass now, so if there was like a strong desire out there for you guys needing to hear my thoughts on this new movie... Just save the tweets, because I don't want to do it even with (laughs) MoviePass. Oh, God. Uh, (laughs) uh, We are inadvertently tying into that new Death Wish remake with Bruce Willis, where it looks like he's sleepwalking through yet another $5 million payday. Must be a nice life. I wish.
1: Like, good Lord. I can barely get a 1,000 views on a YouTube video, and this (laughs) Yahoo gets paid who knows how much to shoot minorities.
0: You know what I find interesting about guys of the Bruce Willis look? And this is going to sound really catty and mean, and it is, but I have a genuine curiosity underneath the cattiness. So he's definitely one of these guys who's taking some sort of like muscle related supplements to get bigger as he's older. Like the rock is the same thing. Like if you look at a picture of 2018, the rock and like 2000 or 1998, the rock, he looks like he ate the 1998 version to, to power up to his current form. But why do these guys heads get bigger? Like, if you took a side-by-side image of Bruce Willis in that movie and then you put Bruce Willis in Die Hard in 1988, his head is, like, a full two two sizes larger Grinch style. I have never noticed that. But I mean <laughs> his head they, is enormous. They did and crazy bald... things
1: with uh, Helena Bottom Carter in those Alice in Wonderland movies, so maybe it's all digital to, like, compensate.
0: <laughs> like, just... Look, their bodies are bigger, <laughs>
1: so we have to make their heads bigger to make it look normal. <laughs>
0: they'd look like those guys from the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, they'd be little Goombas.
1: That's where all the CGI budget's going.
0: Because <laughs> he really, his head, and it's probably because he shaved his, shaves his head and like, you know, all the skin light reflecting and stuff like that. I'm sure there's a reason, but his head just looks so enormous compared to it as, you know, 1988 version. It really does. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Bruce Willis. We are here to talk about Charles Bronson, uh, action hero, extraordinaire i guess and this entry in the death wish franchise death wish 4
1: it's we're just gonna off the bat I'll, i wrote a note later but we're gonna use it now just because it's it's so hard to get into this movie because all it is is just old white dude gets justice with a gun and no consequences and that's basically yes. our world already so like i don't know what we're like it, this isn't fantasy
0: fulfillment this is just oh that's that's what happens well it's fantasy fulfillment for a certain group of people for sure for sure but like just not us but it's just
1: like that's already how the world works for a lot of people
0: I, 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 I what don't fantasy? And, and i will say in defense of this some of the action is really great like really tremendously great and for a part yeah, four movie there's a couple made... really awesome sequences yeah, for a movie made on the cheap, it's a part four movie. You know, I will say I don't think Charles Bronson really mails it in here. I, like, I think this is—I don't think he's good. In this I don't movie. know anything
1: about Charles Bronson, so I can't—I <laughs> can neither confirm nor deny the phoning.
0: Have you never seen uh, The Great Escape? Oh, it's been a long time. If he's I have. one of the prisoners in The Great Escape. It's—it's it's a. It's I've a seen Chicken type. Run. I—I <laughs> <laughs> I will say this: I don't dislike Charles Bronson. I think he played a certain type. Uh, I think he's definitely dying his hair in this movie because he's 66 and this is the fourth one out. Uh, he definitely seems to be doing a little just for men, which is fine. It's a good looking thing going on up there. It's kind of ridiculous hair for a man of his age. But you know what? If I had that hair at that age, I would rock it too. Especially today when we're living in like the golden age
1: of older male action heroes like Liam Neeson. Got to come yes. back in what is his 60s.
0: To yeah, do take yeah I think he's also in his 60s, yeah.
1: Like, that is the bar where I'm at now. So Charles Bronson just feels like a frail old man with a gun. <laughs> like, he doesn't yeah. feel like
0: he'd kick your ass. He feels like, <laughs> no. I have a shotgun! <laughs> Although, I will say, he does have that, like, scary old man strength thing where, like, he could get you with one good swing, maybe, and put you down if you weren't expecting it. Like, I think he could get one good punch in. If he rabbit punched you? Yeah, no, I think... You're you're in the confrontation with him and he gets off one good shot and it's whether or not you can because after that he's out. Like he's donezo. He's not throwing another good punch, but if he can hit you right on the button at the right time, he can get you down. It's that like grandpa strength where it's 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 like a like a like a musket. It's a single loaded musket, and it's really old, so it might not fire well at all, right? It might just blow up in his hands. But if it hits, it's hitting. You know what I mean? Okay. He might swing, okay, he might I get swing that. and miss Like, there's an equal chance that he will swing, miss you entirely, and fall down and break his hip. Like, he's just puts himself out. But if he connects, that punch (laughs) is a good punch. There's just one of them.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. That makes sense (laughs) for
0: me. But you're right. He doesn't have – he's also – it's also – we've talked about this before on the show. Action heroes of the 80s versus action heroes of the 2010s. Like, The Rock, as an example we just talked about, is freakishly enormous. Like, he looks like a superhero drawing – and he's a real human, yeah. Whereas Charles Bronson is like our dad. Is that he's like in fine shape, but he's not some roided out. He doesn't dude look like he piece. could
1: lift me up and just like throw me under the roof of a building.
0: No, he's not going to flip a car. Whereas like The yeah. Rock, I think would eat the car. He would just like just tear a bumper off and chew on it because he's enormous. So the the hook of this movie, uh, you've never seen a Death Wish movie before, right? No. This is your first Death Wish movie. Yes. Okay, so in the first movie, it's kind of justified his wife and daughter are raped and murdered i forget i think the wife gets killed and the daughter gets i
1: thought this movie implied that his wife was killed in the first one and his daughter was killed in the second one
0: maybe that's what it is one of them gets it's there's a rape and murder in every death wish which is really disgusting well except the fifth one but we will probably never get there it's a 1994 movie so you're on your own for that but in the first movie, that sets him off to go after his wife's and daughter's attackers, whom he kills. And you know what? Like, I could see how that reaction is normal and feels justified to a person. Sure. You know? mm-hmm. not, not to bring the sad real world into it, but we just saw that guy in the Larry Nassar sentencing uh, of the, the gymnastic stuff, the dad of two of those girls jumped a barrier and tried to beat the piss out of the guy like i get it yeah I, that 100%. is a. <laughs> I i get how a leads to b but when you hit the fourth movie in the franchise one the fact that it's another personal crime related to him is bananas crazy and two he takes this personal crime as an excuse to be like well i'm just gonna wipe cocaine out of this city and take on both of the cartels in the ga- and gangs because that's my job now which feels a little
1: hypocritical movie business like, we yes. all know what's turning those wheels between 1980 and 1989.
0: <laughs> oh, you mean this, the sniff brigade that was in charge of Hollywood?
1: Yeah, like, what? why are they... I feel like that's a weird choice for what I would assume is a mountain of cocaine in the middle of a writer's table.
0: You'll notice that the thing that the girl ODs on is crack cocaine, not cocaine powder, and I don't think that's an accident.
1: Oh, is that why... He- he said, "Smoke cocaine," and I was like, "I don't do drugs," but <laughs> I was under the impression that cocaine was a snorting drug, or or the spo- <laughs> or one of the spoon injection drugs.
0: It's it's a snorting drug. Yeah. <laughs> I'm picturing that with like a folksy uh, apostrophe. apostrophe after Maybe. the end. Yeah. 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 You go to a party, snorting, you're, snortin',
1: <laughs> you're smoking, and you're uh, spoon injecting.
0: There's a. There's a pile of mystery powders at the at the party, and it just says "snorting drugs," and the R's are backwards. <laughs>
1: it's on like a, a piece of wood that's a little crooked. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. These are snorting drugs. Uh, so. The movie starts with a woman in a parking garage with some very sexy saxophone playing, so you know it's going down in the bad way immediately. I
1: have to say, the opening was very well crafted and tense, and like a little scary. As someone who is not an imposing figure alone in a parking lot or a parking garage,
0: scary. I would be scared. I mean, you'd have to be crazy to not be frightened in the situation this woman faces. What's that? You'd have to be the Rock. Yeah, yeah. The even the Rock, I think, would be a little bit touched off in this situation. Her car won't start, and then she sees a guy wearing a pantyhose over his head, in the, sort of standing in the in the under a light, so he's lit creepily. He
1: looked like a me character, like on the Wii when you make a, you make yourself. Oh yeah, <laughs> and now that, like squished face.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I always wondered, even as a kid, I thought it was weird. I guess the pantyhose over your head is just to just make it so your facial features are kind of indistinguishable.
1: I thought I, I was always under the impression that that was more of a camera thing. Like it uh, helps blur your face for a camera, but doesn't really do much for in-person stuff.
0: And that would make sense in an era where it's basically a VHS tape up there. Yeah. You're looking at a uh, three pixels. Yeah. But anyway, first it's one guy, then it's two, and then it's three. And then suddenly they're all around her car. Uh, And one of the things that I found really entertaining about this scene, because it very quickly goes into the dark place that I don't want to be in a movie where you're watching this woman get assaulted. Mercifully, it's short. Uh, They start trying to break the windows of this car, and they very clearly did not put stunt windows on this car, because these dudes are wailing on this car with baseball bats, and it's very difficult to break through the glass. It takes a good minute of movie time of them just like bouncing this baseball bat um, ineffectively off the windshield.
1: Yeah. Like lemonade led me to believe that it was pretty easy to smash open, a, smash a windshield on a car with a baseball bat.
0: Well, just another one of the many things Beyonce has led you astray about. <laughs> um,
1: also, I thought it was weird that like the sound of their instruments hitting the windows sounded like gunshots.
0: Yes. So it I was did. like, are they getting shot now? Choice. Like what's happening? So then Charlie Bronson shows up and he pulls out a gun. The guy's like, who the hell are you? And he says, death. And then he shoots all of them in- mercilessly in the parking lot, including one dude who he wounds in the leg. And this is like Chekhov's Let's him run Charles away. Bronson. Yeah, that's his move, apparently. You wound him and then you hunt him down like a damaged gazelle. And then you shoot him after you say something mean to his face.
1: So I was like, A, I hope I don't have to know shit about this universe. Because this woman walking into her car it was literally three minutes of her walking. And I was like, am I supposed to know this character? Like, is this, this going to be like, oh, shoot. It'd be like if they were like, oh, these, this is, you know, this is Catwoman. Oh, they just killed Catwoman. Like, what?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like,
1: was, I was like, was there supposed to be a hint that this was the thing? No. No, no. He's, he's basically the Punisher or the comedian from Watchmen, from what I gathered in the beginning. Yeah. And
0: then I, was, I would say that's accurate.
1: And then he shoots the last dude that he wounded and let run away. And then flips him over, and it's himself. And I was like, oh, he killed himself because vigilantism is a crime, and he kills criminals.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would be a really cool meta-commentary in this movie, actually. Uh, so it turns out it's a bad dream, and we snap over to him in his architecture firm? Sh- yeah, what? I did, I did not remember this character being an architect, and it is a really Ted weird Mosby choice. Ted here picks up a block <laughs> and just is like, I'm going to
1: take matters in my own hands.
0: Yeah, I he needs to be like an accountant, I guess. I just he needs a different job because I feel like the architect is getting more fulfillment out of his day to day.
1: Yeah, I want like uh, like the definite like like you said an accountant, uh, a little like ooh, ooh, wormy guy, but an architect just feels confident already. Like they their job is to like tell people what to do and what to build.
0: Right, and also it requires creativity, which the only other thing we see from him in the movie that's Creativity based is the fact that he murders people in unusual ways. You know, good murdering. Uh, So Audrey from the Vacation movie, the first one.
1: I was like, (laughs) why does she look so familiar? And then I looked her up.
0: (laughs) She is the, I guess, is kind of his stepdaughter. He hasn't. He's been dating this woman for apparently two years, and she and the daughter are both like, "Hey, you're great. Let's make this a real deal here. Like, let's let's family this up. Let's let's do this." And he's like, "I'm not sure I want to commit," which like. I don't know, dude. You've been through the darkest thing that a person can can get through. I feel like you should be jumping on this chance. Like, yeah, this woman wants to be with me. Take it.
1: Yeah, but he knows it's gonna happen again. And he'll have to grant <laughs> another cursed. death wish. It,
0: it was it was he was he, he was cursed by a, a traveling gypsy, much like Thinner, but instead <laughs> she was like, family murder and terrible things. <sighs> <laughs> So, she's going out with her boyfriend to the arcade so they can buy some drugs. That's open till 11, I guess? Yeah. And she sees... Here, rather, he sees her take a hit of a joint in the car so you know they're going to die. Because this is a movie made by very conservative white men in the late 80s. And drugs are very bad in Reagan's America. Except cocaine. Yeah, except cocaine. Well, cocaine is the root of all evil in this
1: movie. But that's... Again, like, these people are... Like, the people who wrote and made this movie are 100%
0: doing cocaine. Allegedly. Oh! Oh, for sure. Allegedly. Uh... So she leaves and he's talking to his girlfriend and they're having this very important heart to heart about their relationship. And he's basically being like, hey, if we go now, we can catch this movie and be home in time to make sure we're here before Erica gets home. And she's like, I would rather talk about our relationship status because that's more important to me than whatever movie you're going to drag me to. And also probably bone, dude. You know this is like a reissue of The Guns of Navarone or something <laughs> like that, and she's just like, oh my god, another war it's movie. the original 310 to Yuma. Can we just stop with the war movies? I just... No war and no westerns. I'm tired of wars and westerns. So, uh, Erica... But it's... But I'm it, Sorry. But it's such a weird, stilted conversation that... Between these two, and it's like this is the fourth death wish. At this point, you know what you're getting from Charles Bronson. Why are you having this long conversation where he's trying to establish his relationship parameters? Yeah, I, I think it.
1: I don't know. I he, he clearly is not on the upper echelon of his acting at this point in his career. No. Although, hang on. It says apparently the entire script was rewritten while filming, and uh, Bronson was constantly having problems with dialogue and requested more rewrites. So it's possible that they were just like, look, he's not going to be able to memorize things. So we'll just give him the easiest stuff to say and put a gun in
0: his hand. That, most of his dialogue is one-liners except this conversation. So that makes a lot of sense. It's
1: essentially what happened with Batman and Robin when they were supposed to get Patrick Stewart to play Mr. Freeze and instead got Arnold Schwarzenegger and had to rewrite the entire script
0: wait what patrick stewart was gonna be mr freeze we, we lost out on like
1: the perfect mr freeze and got saddled with arnold doing ice no puns. i want
0: patrick stewart doing ice puns that's the ideal mr freeze <laughs> mr freeze is a brilliant character ice to meet you like are you kidding me yes please well he was yeah, no they had him cast
1: and they're gonna do like actual mr freeze where he's like tortured somebody, and, Shakespearean,
0: and then somebody out there wait somebody out there needs to get mr Free, sorry get the script of this movie and patrick stewart and a big bag of weed because we know he's down i've seen that video of him doing triple takes with his like 27 year old girlfriend in a tree house <laughs> i know patrick stewart gets down him ian mckellen as batman and we stage a live reading of the Batman and Robin script at some theater in Los Angeles, and we charge $45 a ticket. Nobody loses here. Somebody out there who's listening, I'm in. I will invest. Let's get this happening. I agree. I would rather see a better script. But yeah, they
1: basically they were like, oh, we're going to have a, a one of the most brilliant actors of our time. And then, oh, no, we got Arnold Schwarzenegger. Quick, just throw in some ice puns.
0: Do you know he pays Warner Brothers a dollar a year to rent that suit from them to display in his home? Are you serious? I just read that online today. Uh, Allegedly. Allegedly. I'll put allegedly on it. I
1: believe that, though.
0: Uh, Anyway, so Erica is at the carnival or the (laughs) the carnival. It's kind of a carnival. There's, like, bumper cars behind it. I think it's, like, a boardwalk. Yeah. So she gets a special packet of drugs from the drug dealer, and he's like, "Don't share this it's just for you and it's like a significant amount of crack cocaine that he gives her to not share uh it's a like ver- the it's the bag is pretty full that he gives her. Uh, and then we get a phone call and it's like, oh, your daughter OD'd. And they run to the hospital and her first line to the doctor is, she doesn't do drugs. And the doctor says, well, she did tonight, which is like my favorite line in the history of movies. Are I you love it, but me? also
1: buddy, buddy, <laughs> let's a little talk here.
0: It's like, lady, we're, we're treating her for an acute cocaine overdose as we speak. Yes, she did. She did. I, I know that she did it.
1: And then they go into the room, and there's a nurse literally straddling her on the table.
0: Yeah, doing like, clear, and chest compressions and stuff.
1: (laughs) Well, I forgot 80s hospitals were real, like, you could smoke in them. They were just straddling patients to administer the the defibrillators. It was a real lax time
0: to be in a hospital. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Smash cut to Charles Bronson is at the arcade now. And Erica's boyfriend is confronting the drug dealer, like, "Hey, you you did this to her. I'm going to the cops. Like, I know I know everything. I'm going to the police." Which is like, "Hey, just do that part. Yeah, you and don't, don't have threaten to, the drug dealer. You don't need
1: to get off your one liner or like anything. Yeah. Just do it."
0: So he gets stabbed, and uh, Charlie Bronson watches him get stabbed to with death. a
1: Romeo and Juliet dagger. Yes, it's not a switchblade. It, I don't think it is. It just looks like. Bequeath unto my bosom and die, Shakespeare.
0: <laughs> there are several in t- stabbings in this movie that are done with Shakespeare-era daggers. It's very bizarre. Yeah. Uh, so, Bronson sees that happen, and then in one of the coolest deaths in the movie... Well, the first of many cool deaths in this movie, I will say. It's like a Friday the 13th style. Yes! They, there's like three Friday the 13th style deaths in this movie, which is cool for an action movie... Uh, he shoots him and he falls on the bumper car roof and he gets like totally electrocuted. It's, and then there's my favorite is the panic, like panicked, but calm voice of the person running the bumper car booth. It's like, please remain in your vehicles. Folks do not exit your, please remain in your vehicles. Whatever you do (laughs) remain in your cars, do not exit your cars. And I just love the idea. I wish I want that guy to have a whole sub movie (laughs) where (laughs) it's like, he has to give a statement to the police and then he's having like PTSD and he can't make the ride work and then like by the end of the movie he learns to make the the bumper cars go again.
1: And then it ends with him getting a notice that he was hired to work at Jurassic World.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Somebody That feels somebody like make the logical happen.
1: progression for that man.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And then we get a uh tatted up, makeup, pierced
1: 90s gay telling the police. Uh,
0: it's Mark Pellegrino. Wait, what? I don't. Know, who's he played that? Lucifer on Supernatural. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't remember a whole lot about Supernatural. Two QH. two big Supernatural alums is Mark in this movie. Mark Pellegrino and uh, Mitch Pelegi or Pelegi. I'm not sure how you say it. Who I believe was the yellow-eyed demon. He's the bald oh. guy with the big ears. Oh. He gets killed in the factory later. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So two big Supernatural guys, and also Danny Trejo for like a second. Yeah, I saw that. I I don't know this to be certain, but it, it it's early enough in his career. This is probably like towards the top of the amount of dialogue he had by 1987. Um, but yeah. Anyway, you were going to hit the 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 80s gay is exactly what Mark Pellegrini yeah, was like playing. Yeah, he's like wearing
1: a sh- a shredded up tank top with tattoos and eye makeup and a piercing, and he's like, I saw which way he went, and like <laughs> tells the police the last three numbers of the vehicle. So I was like, oh, that feels like a lot to go on in the 80s. Like, yeah. Like, I feel like if you were to do that now and be like, oh, it was a blue car with
0: these three last digits, they'd be like, oh, well, we can't do shit about that. Like, there's too many cars now. That's what they told me when somebody hit and ran my car when I lived in Frederick. And my neighbor was like, hey, I got the license plate. It's the, and knew the last four digits of an eight digit plate. And they were like, can't do that. And I'm like, there's, he was like, this is the make and model of the car and the last four digits of this. And they were like, Sorry, can't do anything about the whole plate. And I was like, "Certainly, there is more info. There is not. That is not true. That cannot be true." I realize that this is just a hit and run where a person broke the mirror off my car, and like that stinks, and I have to deal with it. But if this was a murder, you couldn't tell me that there is nothing else you can do. You with could that run partial plate numbers. I've heard it on right. Law and Order. <laughs> it's like certainly that. If you have to be able to make that happen,
1: I am not asking you to zoom in and enhance, buddy. I am saying here, do something yeah. with this.
0: Yeah, I came home and my my side view mirror was dangling off, and there was a note from my neighbor that said, "I got the make, and model, and half of the plate. Just come over and get it from me, and call the cops." They told me no.
1: <laughs> so uh, we go to Charles Bronson's house, which is so beautifully eighties. Yes, it, it's 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 uh, it's I was going it's very much uh, the middle place in the good place that just full like pastels
0: and weird seashell
1: lamps and yes bizarre art
0: you're You're kind of like, "What's the theme of this house?" And then the answer is a shrug, the eighties, yeah, and there's a note under his door that says, "I know who you are, and
1: he gets a phone call that's like, "'Did you get my note?" and it's like, "Mom, you don't have to call me every time you email me. <laughs> yeah, the email will go through if you- <laughs> not that's not a jab at our actual mother that's not a jab at our act that is just a comedic general mother joke
0: <laughs> just just making sure uh i i sent dad the, i think it's the second time he's listened to the podcast i sent dad the clip of us talking about him helping behind a body in the in the uh episode about uh house on sorority row and he did not find it as funny as yeah
1: i, thought was. I was like oh this is this is a humorous <laughs> thing that we paid you homage
0: <laughs> no he thought it was great anyway uh He ends up going to the guy's house after he gets invited there, and it's sort of like the house in the Big Lebowski. I don't know if that rings... uh, Yeah, I didn't think you've seen that, but anyone out there who's seen it, it's this elaborately ornate old money rich guy house that has like dark wood paneling and beautiful framed photos, and you kind of expect a bunch of suits of armor to be in there somewhere, although we never see that part. It's really gorgeously appointed, this house. And then he starts talking to this guy and laying out the plan and the guy basically is like i'll pay you a whole lot of money to just get rid of all of the drugs in this entire town because i'm my bruce daughter Wayne, also got killed and i'm
1: too old to batman so yeah you're 10 years younger than me so i guess you're young enough to batman
0: yeah i was gonna say these guys are pretty close to the same age
1: <laughs> um so he's like okay cool sign me up and i love murdering Again apostrophe. because at
0: this point this at this point he is now not being a vigilante. this is contract murder yes, he has this is no, not
1: <laughs> he has no proof that these people are doing anything wrong other than this man's right. word,
0: yeah, and the guy hands over files of information on these people, like where they live, what their alleged crimes were, how they've gone to jail for these crimes but not really served their sentence, and all that stuff. yeah, it's definitely
1: the person who's like just looking for an excuse to do some murdering
0: right. So we go to the the funeral for the daughter, and the mom is having a bit of a breakdown. He's like, it's not your fault. It wasn't my fault when it happened to my family. It's the drugs. The drugs are evil. No one, uh, you know, they're, they're the worst thing possible. So we go from that to him being like, you're a reporter. You should write about drugs. We smash cut to the editor's office, and the editor literally says, everybody uses drugs nowadays. No one cares about drugs. He also looks like a Ken doll. He does look like a Ken doll. He's got, like, plastic, like, frozen-in-place face. But I think this is just wish fulfillment on the part of the producers being like, yeah, nobody cares about drugs, right? Right? Everything's cool now. Everyone's doing the cocaine, so nobody cares about the cocaine. What? <laughs> what? Did you say cocaine? Yeah, it's a weird choice. of like. Yes. Pe- yeah. What's the narrative, people, who are definitely doing cocaine while writing this movie? What is your narrative? <laughs> So he says you can do it, but I don't want anything bad to happen to you. So like, keep me aware of what you're doing. And she goes to the morgue, but it feels very glib for
1: a woman who just lost her daughter to an overdose, and like very well could have just been found in an alley. Because he's like, I don't want to find them to find your body in an alley. And it's like she just buried her daughter's body.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Some tact would be nice, Jerry. Some tact. But, but one of my favorite scenes in this movie is when she goes to the morgue and the mortician is like, hey, I guess it's not a mortician. The morgue attendant is like, hey, these are really grisly bodies. Are you sure you want to see them? And she's like, yeah, I need to see them. And he's like, all right, well, this first one's pipe exploded in his mouth while he was smoking it. And so I'm expecting a person to be yeah. like missing a nose and like I'm an eyeball hanging gore, out, or
1: like yeah, living dead under that sheet. Instead, like this
0: person's mouth should be just a gaping, disgusting nightmare. Is what it should be. If a pipe exploded in your mouth, it would be the most horrifying looking. And they open the sheet, and it's like the first draft of Freddy Krueger before they got him to look like scary. Kind of
1: a bad sunburn.
0: Yeah, where his face is kind of red and kind of you know burnt, and he looks burnt, but it does not look like someone who had a pipe explode in yeah, their mouth. Real weak stuff. And then we get a real basic single
1: shot in the forehead moment for With the next no guy. Other
0: yeah, it's
1: real weak stuff. The whole thing. There was also the really bad throat slit. The third girl got her throat slit, and it's like two inches on one side of her neck. Yeah, and I was like, that's yeah, it's- if someone's gonna murder. A, like if if these gangland people are gonna murder a prostitute, like they're gonna go all in. It's not gonna be like,
0: Ooh, let me just nick you right here, right? Somebody's connecting ear to ear on that. hundred percent. That's what they're doing. Yeah. But then she goes to investigate more at the carnival or the the boardwalk or whatever, and for no reason at all, the characters just eating a corn dog. I don't. I think she was just trying to like be less
1: suspicious. Like, look, I am just attending the carnival. It wasn't my daughter who died,
0: <laughs> but he. She walks up to this guy and is like, she flashes a few hundred bucks, and she's like, "Hey," uh, he's like, "Oh, I got, I got you covered. I got all sorts of good drugs." She's like, "No, I want information," and he's like, "What kind of information?" And she takes a bite of a corn dog before delivering a line like, "How, it's how like cool are you trying to look?" <laughs> that would be like how I think I'm gonna be cool. <laughs> it's Like, uh, hang on, let me dip this in some spicy golden mustard first. <laughs> Pink, 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 pink. As I was saying, I would really <laughs> like to get some information about the cocaine in your sound. Like, this is. I get what you're saying, she's trying to blend in, but the point at which this character is taking bites of corndogs mid take is a bridge too far. You know how good these, This fourth. could be like
1: award winning corndogs. You don't know.
0: <laughs> this could be like the Knoble's Grove of boardwalk corndogs. I just don't understand why it's in the movie. <laughs> If they make good corn dogs, like maybe just everybody has that for lunch one day if they would like. <laughs> but like, I, I genuinely think because this movie was so cheap, there was no craft services. And so she was like desperate to eat something. <laughs> it was like, oh no, no. This <laughs> is the end of a 12
1: hour shoot day. We've been filming since yes. 11 a.m. I'm so damn hungry
0: and the kid is like ma'am, these corn dogs have been in here for like a whole day you don't want to eat this corn dog and she's like shut up i'm starving give me the corn dog <laughs> and then the poor director is just like well uh, i guess there's a corn dog in this scene now go for it but i like that she expected him to to
1: snitch for like 2 or 300 bucks yeah he does roll over very easily with this information cuz like I'm, i feel like 2 or 300 bucks in the 80s was like i don't know not that kind, that's not snitching money if you're in a drug cartel. Well,
0: remember, it's like basically times four to get to modern money.
1: Okay, so bet- about $600, it's, we'll say. Yeah,
0: call it between 600 and a grand, but that's still not snitching money.
1: No. Also, uh, Charles Bronson kind of looks like John Voight in National Treasure in
0: this movie. He does kind of look like John Voight in National Treasure. Like a little bit confused and not <laughs> yeah. quite sure of the movie he's in. Yeah, like old enough to be just like
1: escorted onto the set and like, here you go just do it.
0: Yeah. He also apparently after this made a couple of sexy thrillers which I just like Charles Bronson Don't. Did? Yes. The the one that comes right after this is a uh looks like it's in Japan and it's just a a sexy thriller. I don't like that at all. No, who would? So the detectives show up at Charles
1: Bronson's architecture firm and he's doing a uh an interrogated witness on Law and Order, where like whatever they're doing is too important for these detectives' questions. <laughs> he doesn't break stride in the task he's taking. It's like he's in the West Wing and is just like doing a walk and talk. And then gets to his desk and is like s- doing a sketch as they're asking him questions. He's like, "Nope, don't have a gun. Never was there.
0: I was alone that night. Anything else you need yeah. to know? Yeah." <laughs> That is that is true. I I thought that was amazing, and I forgot that Mulaney bit you referenced there. Like that mm-hmm. that is the opening to every Law and Order is or not sorry not the opening that's the death. The next scene on Law and Order is someone who's too busy to stop what they're doing to be questioned by police.
1: Well, there was also a bit on SNL or Mad TV of like an acting school for being on Law and Order, and they were like, "You keep stirring that that batter in your hand and, and bouncing the kid <laughs> in your hip because you
0: do not have time for what the, co- <laughs> the cops are asking." They also finished this interrogation in, like, 90 seconds, at which point I was like, well, that was weird. He didn't answer any of their questions. I feel like he just made himself the number one suspect. Yeah. And then the cops immediately are like, why are we leaving? And the other cop's like, because clearly this guy's up to something, and I got to look up more information. It was like, oh, phew, a competent person for once in one (laughs) of these movies. I was like, thank God. So we cut to this mob boss's birthday, and his birthday cake is a naked woman with candles in her nipples, because isn't that grand? Ugh. Just. I also... uh. I find it really amusing how mob boss stereotype went from the Godfather in 1972-ish to like 80s bad guy, mafia guy, somewhere in the interim and stayed almost exactly the same all the way through the Sopranos. Because the Sopranos guys would totally have bought this cake for Tony and they were totally all about the stri- the strippers because they owned a strip club and that was like part of their daily routine. And it's just this exact type of slime ball italian dude was the it was like a 30 year run for this exact subset yeah for sure it wasn't like it went from classy like on the day of my daughter's wedding to like hey look at the tits on that one and it stayed as the second guy for three decades that we were just like yep that's what they're like and it had been established
1: enough that last action hero used that version of a gangster
0: right yeah, I just I find it really amusing that this is like it could be you, you could do that weird creepy Google head replacement thing and put Tony Soprano's guys in and keep the dialogue <laughs> the same and it would be like this is just like a Soprano scene. Yeah. So, Charles
1: Bronson is trying to I guess why oh, Also, tra- oh, go for it.
0: The, the the mafia guy proves his toughness by eating a birthday candle that doesn't go out when he blows on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just wax, but like your mouth is wet enough that the flames not going to hurt your tongue, but right. Well, well, it
0: still looked pretty cool. I will. Say. I mean, it was
1: stupid, but it looked kind of cool. It's just wax lips. <laughs> it's not a real candy. <laughs> so Charles Bronson's like someone. Someone is like, "Oh, we need more ice," and Charles Bronson's like, "I'll go get it into the house to where the ice is. I'll go inside. No one worry. I'll be inside." <laughs> and picks up a mop bucket to go inside to get ice. Yeah. Hey, let's. I don't know. <laughs> think about our prop work.
0: Now, I know they we, probably didn't have anything else on set. It was a canned movie. No, there
1: was an ice bucket oh, inside. Really? Yeah, when he goes oh. into the game room, there is an ice bucket on the table, and I was like, you couldn't have put <laughs> like, come on. So he goes like and like bugs the phones and hears people coming and hides in the bathroom rather than like run to the door and be like, just getting some ice. Don't mind me.
0: And by hides in the bathroom, we mean to say, leaves the door open 18 inches and puts his face in it and just watches the entire interaction that happens in the adjacent room. Not even. He doesn't even do. He shuts he it and even, then
1: opens while they're in the room. Yeah. <laughs>
0: He doesn't even do like a Scooby-Doo where it's like open a crack and he's looking with one eye. The door is almost open. His face (laughs) is framed with light on either side. It's not like, oh, his face is kind of wedged in there. It's like he opens the door wide enough so that you can see past his head on both sides. And I understand he's like an older man and probably his hearing isn't as great as it once was. But certainly there's a way to cue him as a director without having to have it look so ridiculous. There is.
1: Put a PA in the room with him with a walkie-talkie.
0: Right. It's real easy. Well, I'm not sure they had walkie-talkies on a canon film set. Because that might have set off all of the
1: explosions they were planning later that oh, day. okay. So, um, to prove his, like, mafioso toughness, he's like, oh, look how jovial we all are. Stabbed! <laughs> and a guy falls down. And you can clearly see the, like, square plate on his abdomen that the knife hilt is attached to under his shirt when he goes yes. down. Because there's a weird, like, square pop-up. And I was yeah. like... Uh I see you, movie. <laughs> and Charles Bronson loudly closes the door.
0: And it's like, at least wait for a moment of, like, volume. <laughs> yeah, or just, just just, step back into the darkness. Like, what are you doing? You're drawing attention to yourself at this point. You have now drawn attention to yourself. Yes. Good job. And so, like, the mafioso pull, has his guys go in there and they find
1: Bronson what looks like peeing, I guess. Yeah. And he's like, I was just in here. And he was like, oh, I trust you, I guess. Help clean up this dead body and we'll give you some money. And I was like, that's doesn't that man just stabbed someone he knows. This doesn't feel like. And then he gives like a knowing look to his subordinate. And I was like, oh, never mind.
0: Yeah, because at first it was like, this is really bad mafiaing." Oh, no, you're just good. Also, I'd like to point out here the first time it happens this is one of like 3 different times charles bronson puts on a disguise to to infiltrate one of these places and the one is just like a suit but, but this is one of two disguises that means Charles Bronson has access to a disguise closet. That's that what I was be... going to say. <laughs> it's like he just has a whole sh- closet full of different employee uniforms for different types of jobs he might have to infiltrate as a vigilante. It's insane the costuming he has at his disposal.
1: Yeah, like this one, like you said, it's at least just a tuxedo. Sure. I'm sure a lot of people could like f- It's a catering tuxedo,
0: though. Up. It's like a specific oh, like, kind of look, you know? That's true.
1: So he, uh, the guy, they throw the dead body in the trunk, and the dude pulls a gun on him. So Charles Bronson whacks him with a tire iron and slams his neck in the trunk and runs away.
0: Yeah, he opens the garage door and then drops this uh, tire iron so loudly it's like clang, 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 clang as the garage door is like, klank. and it's like anything you do to be quiet is good. Just any option for quietness, <laughs> right? So then we cut to my favorite one where he's got this bottle of wine and he's like now it's a montage of him just like picking off henchmen now where it's like he's got this briefcase or uh, case file full of information of all these people he needs to go kill. And so he's just like, oh, I'm going to go down the list one by one. And it's like, oh, his three lieutenants are blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. One of whom is Danny Trejo. And so they're having like a three lieutenants meeting, I guess. And he goes in the car and he has this case of wine samples, which has four regular bottles of wine in it and his fake one, which, again, is like that's four times more elaborate than you need to be for what's going to happen in this. But all right. You could just have two, maybe three explosives like really sell this. I don't know. Yeah. Or just like a bottle of wine. You're like, hey, I work for this company and this is the thing. So he's filling with this bottle of wine, and I thought it was a, a wiretap, like another... I couldn't he tell bugged it, the phones. I thought it was a gun. I was like, it's either a wiretap oh. or, like, a
1: secret gun. Like, he pushes the bottom and it fires through the cork.
0: Yeah, yeah. But so, what it is, is a bottle of wine where there's a seam about four inches up on the bottom, maybe three inches up, where the bottom pops off and you have access to the inside, which turns out, spoiler alert, is a bomb, but we don't know that. The audience does not know that until it blows up, which is kind of a great thing in this, in this movie. Mm-hmm. But... There's a seam all the way around this bottle of wine, and to cover it up, he puts on a regular size bottle of wine sticker, and it's like, dude. And it's just- all the
1: way at the bottom. It's it- If I saw that <laughs> bottle of wine, I'd be like, whose like, homebrew is
0: this? Right. And also, why is there a huge seam in this glass bottle? They don't normally have seams. Of course not. If you're going to do this, you need a label that goes all the way around. Mm-hmm. But so he goes in and he pours a glass of wine for the bartender. And he's like, hey, I'm a, like, he's a booze rep, basically saying, like, oh, drink our, drink our wine. It's great. And he's like, oh, let me bring this to your customers. they really like it. And the bartender's like, oh, no, 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 no. He pops the bottle of wine down, and then Danny Trejo is like, I know you from somewhere, and yanks him into the table. And it leads to this great exchange where Bronson's getaway move is to throw a glass of water in his face and sprint for the door. But because he's like 66 years old in real life, his sprint for the door looks like like a sad turtle of some kind, (laughs) where it's just like...
1: Danny Trejo reacts to this water as if it's battery acid
0: yeah he really does i was like it's a glass of water buddy <laughs> yeah like it's a, it would startle you but he he does he's like clutching in his face like it's melting off it's very ridiculous if the real housewives can
1: handle this so can you <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: i wish i had thought of that joke um <laughs> but then the explosion again you do, like we've it for y'all listening but when you're watching this movie, you don't know it's a bomb. And so he's running for the door and then suddenly it's like orange flame burst, but it just it's the so whole fake. screen it's, it's so- <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> You don't see a thing explode. The screen literally it's like a little kid with Windows Movie Maker, where it's like, <laughs> I'll put this explosion over the whole screen and it's like kablooey, as if like a like a nuclear test goes off. <laughs> it's the whole so screen. Bad. Yeah, which is crazy because this whole movie, they blow shit up left and right. They just constantly blow things up. But this one, they're like, oh, no, we're just going to we're just going to copy paste the explosion from earlier and just cover the screen with it. It's an explosion wipe. I've never seen an explosion wipe. I wish I but honestly, I want more of them now.
1: (laughs) Now that I've seen one. Like, what is this? So then we find out real quick that he's hiding his like you know dossier and all of his like murder plans just under his regular blueprints at work, which feels yeah not the best place to hide things. No, it really is not. And so we then get uh like oh you know this guy comes to town sometimes and works at a movie store. So Charles Bronson pulls out his magic movie gun silencer and <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 he also takes an Uzi, which. I only know from movies as a gun that sprays bullets, like nonstop and, and from uh golden I think go golden eye. Oh, well, also I always think of true lies when she drops it yes. down the stairs uh-huh. and it kills 10 people. So it's a gun that like in movie logic is like spraying bullets and he's using it to fire single shots, which is like, Oh, just, it just doesn't like, I only know about guns from action movies cause I am a big weenie. So like, maybe that's how an uzi does work but it's just bizarre to see it break the rules of movie logic where it's like oh that's an uzi i know what that is oh wait that's not how that works yeah i feel like
1: yeah i I would be surprised at how much dexterity you would need to fire tiny like quick bursts like a single shot off of that thing right so he just like murders this dude he throws cocaine at him twice like two bags of cocaine at him and then shoots him and then yes is like let me just spray some bullets in the hall and run
0: yeah, well he shoots two more gangsters in the hall too. But I also got to thinking at this one scene brought this up for me because obviously this is a very low budget movie. I mean, it's not super low budget, but it's it's a low budget movie. There's got to be a movie prop house out in Hollywood that's like got a huge supply of fake drugs. Right? Oh, I'm sure. And so I was thinking about like I I only have seen drugs in movies. Like I've seen bags of cocaine in a movie and i know what like if you show me a movie bundle of cocaine i immediately know that duct tape plastic wrap situation exactly it's plastic with like white or brown tape wrapped around it usually brown tape wrapped around it and i know what that is because i've seen movies but then i was thinking like are there, like, is that how people really package cocaine? Like, if I saw cocaine in the wild, would I know it was cocaine? Or are they like, hey, if we just don't package it like the movies, people will not know what this is instantaneously.
1: I mean, I imagine if you're if you're transporting large quantities of cocaine, that seems like a good way to pack. Like, oh, this is X amount. Like, that's, they're like, oh, this yeah. is a, I don't know, how much would that be, like a pound? A brick, a, a kilo, yeah, a, kilo, sure, a kilo And But, like, I feel like, your average person who do- is doing cocaine doesn't have that in their bag. Like they're gonna have. Well, the no. Little, an average, the average. Like, I think a
0: person. Yeah, I'm not talking about the person baggy. I'm talking about like drug shipments. Cartel people. Of, yeah, cartel people. And I just, I just, I just, I made me think like, and then the subsequent thought was, do you think that because it's obviously like you know powdered sugar or something? I was thinking like, oh. Are there movies that have to, like, run the numbers on whether it's cheaper to make a PA bag a bunch of powdered sugar with <laughs> tape versus, like, renting the pre-packaged bags? Because that's certainly a thing that's happened somewhere. Well, I wonder, because I know there's now laws against movie prop money
1: because it it's so realistic that, like, there's only, like, one place where you can get prop movie money from. Right. So I wonder if it's the same with cocaine. Like, there's only one licensed prop cocaine distributor. It wouldn't
0: surprise me, but... They could be like, oh, this
1: whole shit... Like, this is just movie cocaine, police. And then, like, there's, like, a wall of movie, and, like, behind
0: it is real cocaine. Oh, so it's a fake movie production. Just like Argo, but for cocaine smuggling. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, and then you have to have a scene where the police... Captain does that very uh, scientific test of dipping their finger into the drugs and licking it yep. that you see in movies and TV all the time where it's like, I'm pretty sure the cop is not just licking what might be cocaine to test it. Right? FYI. Like, like, could, it you imagine, could you imagine the criminal trial? They were like, Officer Brown, how did you know it was cocaine? And Officer Brown was like, well, I extended my pinky finger and I licked it, and then I dipped it in the cocaine, like and I put it on my tongue. Yeah, like a fun dip. I did a cocaine fun dip. And they are like, okay, well, this case is thrown out because you just admitted to doing drugs in court. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's like, what's... um
1: oh, What is that spoof cop movie with Tim Curry and Emily Estevez and Whoopi Goldberg for a minute?
0: Loaded Weapon.
1: Yes, it's like that. They have the one guy like test the cocaine and then they cut back to him. And he's just like a skeleton with, with tall hair. Like, yeah. Yeah. like that's yeah, what I imagined
0: would really happen. I do too. So the two gangs are having a conversation and they both think it's the other rival. And it got me thinking that like, this is basically how cable companies work in 2018. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're just like, hey, Verizon's coming in on our turf. They're they're are roughing up our guys, and Comcast is like, you know, murders a bunch of them. That's how I <laughs> that's how I think that works. You think Comcast is the murdering ones? Both of them. Okay. I think they're both just like like, hey, you trying to put your your Xfinity on my Comcast street, huh? What kind of a Xfinity thing is this? Is and then Comcast. they kill each other. You're right. Uh, <laughs> that was Verizon. You trying to put your Batman on the on my Bruce Wayne street? <laughs> You're th- you trying to put your Fios at my Xfinity street? What are you doing here? And yeah. then they like shoot each other. That's how I imagined it happening. Mm-hmm. And the poor people are inside. We're like, we just don't want to be price couched anymore. <laughs> um, so the other henchman that he goes after is a gentleman who has a beautiful singing voice. And I was like, surely this will lead to this person singing before they get murdered. I was wrong. And I was very disappointed.
1: What I was thinking was going to happen was that he would be singing on stage and, Bronson, and oh. Charles Bronson would use the opportunity to, like, snipe him from the balcony.
0: That would be dope. Or even just, like, anything that kills him on stage, I'm in for. Like, like cut the sandbags? A... Yeah, or he just, like, stabs him in the eyes with drumsticks? Well, no, because then everyone would see him do it. His whole well, thing is, like, doing it from the shadows. <laughs> that's true. Because he I just think run away. Be cooler. Yeah, well, that's, that's true. Uh, <laughs> or, like, he hits him with a tuba, and he's like, <laughs> Can't hit the high note anymore. <laughs> I'll be back bassoon <laughs> uh, we're terrible so the singing henchman is on. Is going on a date with this woman and she's like hey do you remember the tickets and he's like oh I forgot them so he runs back upstairs did Charles Bronson like take these tickets out of his jacket and no, hide them somewhere because he wasn't supposed so- to kill him now oh. he was only trying to bug the apartment okay because I was like, "This is a very elaborate plan that he has managed to pull off." His, hey, by the way, his plans largely are very elaborate that he's able to pull these things off flawlessly. It's like the it's Joker in the Dark Knight level elaborate.
1: Yeah, and he's one man by himself. An old man by himself.
0: Yes, exactly. He's like, "This is an architect." What are you talking about? So they have this fight in the apartment, and you can. This is the scene in the movie that more than any other really shows how old Charles Bronson is because, oh, oh baby, the, it's like. And I'm going to use a wrestling analogy here for the three people who listen to the show. But a lot of times in wrestling, they bring back an old timer and they pair him up with a young guy, so the old timer doesn't have to do as much, and the old, young guy takes all the bumps. Like he gets thrown around and beat up, and then the old timer just kind of gets to look good. And oh, that's like basically they,
1: like they're uh, wrestling each other, or like they're tagging yes. OK.
0: Uh, either way, either way, it, it would be set up in such a way that the young guy does all the bumping, like all the falling down and all the gets all the things that happen to them, so that the old guy doesn't have to do it because they can't anymore. And that's what this fight looks like, except both of them are old guys. <laughs> and the other guy isn't that old, like isn't an old guy? But he moves like a former football player, like someone whose knees are all jacked up and hips don't work uh, quite right. Gotcha. And so he's getting, like, thrown into a cabinet. And there's one cool one where it's a, a radio se- set a t- that uh, his head goes into. Yeah.
1: Was it TV? I think it was a TV. Like, it was a, a okay. screen, like a glass glass panel.
0: So I assume yeah. TV. That makes more sense. But he gets, like, thrown into that. There's, like, glass going everywhere. And it ends with a absolutely... Mwah beautiful dummy getting thrown oh. off a balcony. But it is
1: when they cut. So they have the dummy. They have the woman in the car. They go back to the person falling. And the second time, I'm pretty sure it's a real person.
0: It is 100% because it doesn't do the dummy elbows thing where they go the wrong way, the which scarecrow? Which is, yes, exactly. Scarecrow fall, which is something you see a lot in a Canon movie that this. Sca- so either they built a much better dummy than usual, or they did a stunt fall and green screened it because it looks gorgeous. Mm hmm. And then he smashes onto a car, and it's not quite the bag of soup you hope for, but it's still pretty dope. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And so the the uh, Asian
1: cop of the detectives sees Charles Bronson drive away, and they do a weird, like, zoom in on his license plate thing. And I was like, we, we already established that this license plate belongs to Bronson because you guys questioned him about that. You already established all this. Like, wh- no, don't show me again. And so then he goes to meet with Stan Lee
0: in a movie theater. Yes. This scene is one of several in this movie. Just, there's just literally no reason for it to be in here. Can you imagine how hard it would be to light this where there's like a flickering movie coming over the top and then they're lit in the movie theater? Like, they took them six hours to set this shot up for 11 seconds of dialogue that are just, The next guy's over here. Okay, I'll go get him. Well, it uh, actually wasn't a full movie theater.
1: It was... So they built like a special set for this? No, um it's the Canon Group's viewing theater. Oh. Okay. That's why you only see It's like a, when Disney Channel stuff goes to the movies and there's like four uh-huh. rows.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So he goes undercover in this factory in perfect factory uniform and a little metal lunchbox like a perfect <laughs> little stereotype. And he, like, this is another one where, the so the guy says to him, okay, it's a fish cannery. The front of it is a legitimate fish cannery for, like, pet food, and the back is drugs. And the guy's even making money on the fish cannery part. How crazy is that? It's like, why is this dialogue in this movie? Why do I care about this as an audience member that he's profiting on the fish sales? Does not move the needle for me. Because, spoiler alert, we don't care. No, who could possibly care? But he orchestrates these plans so fast. Like, even with the information that they're day workers, they're transient, they don't know anybody, he's able to get hired on, get inside, figure out well, where he, he needs wasn't hired to go. On. I don't think he was actually well, he hired he gets in. On. but I mean, he gets in. I thought the whole point was like, oh, it'll be
1: easy to get in because, like, no one gives a shit about who's working that day. But he walks in with a shift of
0: workers, like, timed up with the shift of people who are entering the building for work. I'm going to let you in on a little secret.
1: There are places where if you just walk up with a crowd of people, no one will notice that you're not supposed to be there.
0: No, I know that. I'm just saying. I think Charles Bronson got hired on because his plans are very elaborate. I don't think he got hired on.
1: But then they, you find out that they're ch- they're apparently stuffing cocaine in the mouths of giant tuna, and yeah. then s- cutting the like gutting the f- tuna to get the cocaine out.
0: It's pretty great, actually. And that's it's pretty brilliant. It is, but go. like,
1: don't use my tuna
0: that way. <laughs> the tuna board is tweeting so happily. They're like, "Oh my god, we got another one!" Yeah, right. I want I only want to have
1: to worry about dolphins. I don't want to also have to worry about cocaine. Big tuna
0: is thrilled to get this free <laughs> advertising. So he, of course, like, he fools. Uh, this is where you get Mitch Pileggi from Supernatural. And he's like, what are you doing here? And he cracks him over the head with the with the lunchbox. And then he goes in the back. And this is my favorite Charles Bronson move in the whole movie. He's carrying this lunchbox. And there's a henchman there guarding a door that says no admittance. And he's like, hey, they, they told me to put my lunch in there. And he's like, they told you to put your lunch in here? Like, the henchman is it's such a good line that the henchman is legitimately like, wait, it's could that be a thing someone's <laughs> wait a minute and then he gets hit same with a lunchbox and i just it's so good like it's such it's such perfect insanity that like wait they told you to what i just couldn't get enough
1: yeah and so bronson pulls an uzi out of his lunchbox, tiny lunchbox. his tiny little lunchbox kills a dude behind him, then, like, throws open the doors to the, the cocaine fish spot, and just, like, mows everybody down in 20 seconds.
0: Yeah, he does not give one crap that some of these people could be mostly innocent, and he's just, like, spraying bullets at them. And then he pulls a bomb out, and it's actually dynamite with a clock on it. It was It's something out of, like, MacGyver and Murder, She Wrote. It is. It's something out of Looney Tunes. <laughs> it's actually a bomb from the Roadrunner cartoons is what it is. He throws it in and then he goes like running away from it and it blows up, and there's a guy on the loudspeaker being like, I'll give a thousand bucks to whoever kills this guy. Calm and down, Mr. Like, Salt,
1: at the at the nut factory.
0: <laughs> there's like four guys in there who are like trained bad guys with guns that are shooting at him, and then a bunch of other workers who seem to be like actively going for it. Could you imagine someone being like, anyone who takes down the armed gunman who blew up this place gets a thousand bucks and you're not being like, I'm going to go hide in the bathroom. I'll see you guys later.
1: Like, I, I was in the impression that some of these people were just fish cannery workers and knew nothing about the devious actions. Most of them are just fish cannery workers. So he blows up the, the back room and then like drives away in a van and it, guess- um, he drives through the wall in a van. I, I block out a lot of he, the nonsense. He drives the white nonsense through a wall.
0: <laughs>
1: it's so good. It's
0: the good kind of nonsense. He drives through a wall.
1: It drives away. And then we, like, go over to hang in, checking in on our cop friends to be like, so what's the deal? Like, what's happening? And uh, the Asian cop has, like, figured out that it's Bronson but doesn't say anything. And I was like, why aren't you, why aren't you sharing with the class? Yeah. And then – plot twist he's a dirty
0: cop because he's a poc so he can't be a good guy well that's is sort of the narrative this movie establishes pretty early on and sticks with women are props and poc are bad guys yes So this cop goes to confront Bronson and is like, hey, I know you're the vigilante. What of it? And Bronson is like, well, I know you're a dirty cop. And he's sitting at his table this whole time. The cop is talking to him. Bronson is seated behind a cubicle wall. And the cop goes to shoot him. And there's a big gunshot noise. And Bronson has been holding a gun on the cop the whole time and shot him through the cubicle wall, which now means he has to destroy that cubicle wall as evidence.
1: No, I don't think it was a cubicle wall. I think it was a drafting table.
0: Okay, well, whatever it is, he's got to destroy that because it has a huge gun hole in it, and now he has to dispose of a dead policeman's body who has been shot in his office, and like, nobody knows that he was a dirty cop. Right, you have no proof of this whatsoever.
1: Well, because I was like, oh, maybe if there is a, a video, a security camera in the office, that would have been a good idea.
0: You could use that. Yeah. And then, like he he came in and pulled a gun on me. Or just be like, this whole conversation's been on camera. If you leave now, I'll delete it. And then don't delete it. Mm-hmm.
1: But no, instead he just he starts an episode of Law and & Order and dumps the body where a jogger runs.
0: Exactly. Uh, so now the other cop is hot on his tail and is really angry about the fact that his partner's been killed. And uh, the two mafia families are going to meet in this oil field. So he stations himself above it like a sniper...
1: And I was, I'm thinking, like, what is his plan going to be? Like, he's going to snipe one and hope no one, like, realizes that it was a sniper. But I, I was happily proven wrong that when if someone gets shot when they're surrounded by people with guns, they assume one of the people with guns did it
0: yeah it's it's very they're like we've been set up and then it turns into just like an all-out gunfight which is <laughs> funny that you didn't think of that because that's exactly what i thought he was going to do from all my years of watching comedies where this happens by mistake where like the blother the blundering idiot is like hey yo, i'm gonna hide out here and then accidentally kills a guy and then suddenly everybody kills everybody and the dumb guy's like
1: oh that's weird it turns into a great movie ride for a second
0: exactly yes so he like so
1: shoots the one guy. It starts to shoot out. He shoots some oil barrels. It shoots that out. The uh, head mafia guy on the one side runs like Jem from Gem and the Holograms. He sure does. It just runs
0: around as everyone's leaving and be like, Nick, Nick, flailing his little <laughs> penguin arms. So Bronson shoots him in the knee from like 500 yards and he's like rolling around in it, like in intense pain. And Bronson walks up to him holding a... A four by six picture of his stepdaughter, and is like, This is for her. And the guy's like, Genuinely, is like, I don't even know who that is. And it's like, She smoked your drugs and died. And the guy is very confused at this being the reason why he's about to get murdered, and then he gets killed. And it's really good. It's really very good. And like, it's clearly the actress's like glossy mini
1: headshot. Oh, it's absolutely. It's just like. It was part of a four set that she like gets printed out and sends to people and they just cut out the one quor- the one fourth they needed.
0: If they if they flip that over, it would have a list of her special skills <laughs> in it and all of the community theater she did in <laughs> Iowa. Yes. So the rich guy calls him up and is like, Hey, great work. I got one last thing to talk to you about. You gotta come here and he's like, Absolutely not, I'm done. He's like, Well then I'll just tell the police everything. So he goes to this secret meeting point, and this guy's like, get in the car. I'm going to drive you to a place. And he gets in the car, and he locks him in and runs away. So Bronson immediately knows what's up because apparently he's the smartest man alive. But it takes, like, ten full minutes to try and leave. He like well, shouts because for he's his, a very old man. He, like,
1: <laughs> shouts for his attention a couple times and then is like, wait a minute. <laughs> get out of the
0: car. Right. Like, get more upset about this thing that's happening to you. But he makes it away and they blow up this car and it is a actual car that gets blown up. Yeah. It's really cool looking. Yeah. They just should have set say, the timer shorter. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that happens a lot in modern movies, and honestly, like most of the time you don't even notice it, they use, you know, CGI fire for safety reasons, and I get that. Mm-hmm. But man, watching cars really blow up, it just will never get old to me. It's like real I just cool.
1: It's real cool. And
0: and like the parts where there's a there's a later one where you see the fire, like, pouring, un- like, it almost, like, climbs underneath the top of it. Like, uh, once the explosion blows out the windows, like, another part of fire, like, swoops underneath in this really cool curling motion and gets underneath the car. Like, underneath like the mushroom the car. Yeah, yeah. And, man, it just, like, there's nothing cooler looking than watching them blow up a car. I know it's a stupid thing, but it's really, like, a great part of this movie is how many cars get blown up.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It always annoys me because I'm like, look, if if you, if the Jaws ride and the Backlot Tour and Earthquake attractions can have like 30,000 explosions a day, then I think you guys can have some more explosions in your damn movies.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I get if there's a reason why you can't do it for safety, but a lot of times it's, I'm sure it's just because it's cheaper not to blow up a car. Yeah. Um. So are
1: headshots more prevalent in today's movies?
0: Yeah, I think so. Because I
1: feel like everyone, he, like he
0: even like the point blank ones, he shot everyone in the chest rather than like I, the head spray. I, I think it's normally because they would have squibs on the guys, and they're like the you know, bullet, sh- like the blood spurts. Yeah, but this movie weirdly had not enough squibs in it, so a lot of people got shot and in the chest, and then they'd roll over and be bloody. But there wasn't like a spray of blood, which is a disappointment because no- this is the kind of movie we'd expect squibs everywhere. Yeah, I want like I want f- fountains of blood. The squib budget was way too low in in Death Wish Four. I will I'll be upfront about that. So he tries to leave and he gets arrested and turns well, out no. they're not really cops.
1: First he goes to confront the guy who sent him. Oh, a, that's who right. was like Yeah, yeah ha- that. set up the meeting, and the, the his uh, butler answers the door and he's like, he's he you can't see him. So he like grabs the butler with a gun. And is like take me to him now and like Vincent Price in. You know, Edward Scissorhands is there. So, like, yeah. what we thought was old is, like, nope, there's even older in this movie. <laughs> this like, movie's taking us to age 90 now. Like, a skeleton with, like, saran wrap-in-a-box skin just stretched over it. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> what? And so, was like, oh, this guy had bamboozled me. But the real the guy he's talking to is clearly wearing a clip mic. Oh, really? On like It's on his shirt. I was like, is that... And I was like, it's 100% what that is. I didn't notice. Nice catch. Yeah. So and then he goes to get arrested by fake
0: cops. And he has a really clever thing he does. I love these kind of things. They do it in Die Hard 2. Yeah. Uh, Lots of action movies where they they ask a very specific question, and the answer to the question gives them enough information to learn something important. So he's like, oh, are you taking me to the – haven't I seen you at the station on Sunset? And the cop's like, yeah, I've been around there. And there obviously is no station on Sunset because he immediately starts, like, trying to kick the grate out between the front and the back seat. Yeah. And then – uh, it causes them to go over
1: a perfectly placed ramp hidden behind a uh-huh. car. That's, <laughs> yeah, you oh, know it's those car those car ramps that you put behind your trunk when you park. And so they flip, and I was like, "How did how did eighty year old brittle bone Bronson not die in this car crash?" But right. two young able bodied cops, fake
0: cops, did. But then we find out one of them survived. I needed the part where Charles Bronson puts a seatbelt on. Yes. And they don't have seatbelts on, and that's why they die. Like, I needed that piece of this puzzle. Thank you. Yeah. So the bad guy's making plans to to capture Bronson's girlfriend, to go after him. Um, and then while they're doing that, and the the fake cop is explaining what happened. The real cop, who's the partner of the Asian guy who got killed, goes after Bronson and is like, Hey, I know you killed my partner. And when Bronson's like, yeah, but he was a dirty cop. They have a big fight and Bronson beats him unconscious with a phone receiver. It's bananas. And like, especially because I'm while- sorry, not the receiver, the hand part of the, yeah, the, the, the part you put up to your ear. Yeah. But
1: like, as Bronson's like, look there, he was in bed with the mafia And his cop, his partner's like, no, he wasn't. He tells the partner, like, oh, your partner was a dirty cop. And the guy's like, no, he wasn't. And then he gets an answering machine message of, you know, the old guy who hired him being like, we have your girlfriend and we're going to kill her unless you meet here. And the cop's like, I don't want to hear any of this. That's definitely a crime happening.
0: Yeah, like, I know that you're upset, but this is a real thing you could prevent from happening. This is an actual crime, buddy. So they have a big showdown. And Bronson manages to blow up one of the vans that the bad guy has in this showdown, and that is the best explosion in the movie by far. Because so earlier when he when we were at the the oil sh- oil field, and I was like, you know what gun you
1: really need right now? You need a rocket launcher. Because I think video yes. games. Anytime I think of guns, I think video games. And then yeah. later he here he pulls one out, and I was like, where was this? Like <laughs> I feel like this would have been
0: helpful. It's a military assault rifle with a with a missile launcher attachment on it, and he keeps shooting people, and you're like, when's he going to shoot the missile? When's he going to shoot the missile? It's a real Chekhov's missile launcher that we get. It's well done. We also find out after the explosion, they, like, zoom upstairs, and it turns out this abandoned warehouse is, like, underneath a roller rink. I think it was the parking garage of the roller rink. Oh, okay. I think. But there are not enough roller rink-related stunts, because I was really expecting some roller rink... Like I was expecting the bad guy to put on some skates or something. I really wanted roller. He was also old. I know. That's why I wanted to see it. It's a
1: young guy in old age makeup. It's actually an old man. <laughs> I know. But how cool would it have been to see this old guy on roller skates? I agree. But instead, Charles Bronson just fires a gun into a crowded roller rink. Yeah, sure. That's not prescient or
0: terrifying. <laughs> right. Uh, So the bad guy has the girl, the roller rink clears as it should. And we're down to just the bad guy with a girlfriend and a showdown on the roller rink. And then they, they start this chase sequence. And like, if I was to describe this movie to you before we watched it and say, okay, the movie opens with Charles Bronson, the hero of the death wish movies has a girlfriend who has a daughter and the daughter overdoses on drugs. And then the, the, the woman he's dating gets captured by a bad guy. You would think the end of the movie is she somehow helps to save the day with the bad guy and they walk off into the sunset together.
1: I wouldn't have thought that because she is a really? prop. No.
0: I Okay. We didn't learn enough her. But you would at least have given me at the end of the movie, they walk off into the sunset together, right? No. I, I Really? I, as I was watching,
1: I was like, we haven't learned enough about this woman. And clearly was, she was written for this
0: movie. I was totally stunned that this movie ends, like, literally 90 seconds before the movie ends. She gets gunned down in the back by the bad guy. Just shoots her, like, six times. This guy, this Paul, Ver- whatever the character's name is in Death Wish, Stastny, Versny, whatever. Casey. Bronson's Kirstie? character. Yes. Every woman in his life dies at his, like, indirectly or directly because of him. Mm-hmm. And he got five movies.
1: I, I, I can't because the movie he then shoots his rocket launcher into the bad guy, which is beautiful and amazing.
0: It is amazing. Did you see the fact that it, it hit the dummy so hard it took it out of the boots? Yes. Yes. It, for like it, the rocket comes like Bronson shoots the rocket. And I think he really shot the prop thing because he he recoils and closes his eyes in actual terror. And the rocket hits the dummy square in the chest. And then you see a huge plume of flame and just a pair of boots underneath on the ground where he was standing before. It's awesome. It's really amazing. Except
1: it's followed by the the cop pointing his gun at Bronson being like, I put your gun down. You're going to jail. And Bronson drops his gun and walks away from him. And he's like, you do what you have to do. And the cop does. And I was like, no, you know what you have to do? Your fucking job. Yeah, uh, shoot him. Arrest him. Shoot that him. guy. Yes, shoot Anything. that guy.
0: Yes, yeah. He's not a uh. hero. Ah. <laughs> so that's the end of the movie. Um, what did you think about Death Wish 4? God. Ah. It's just so old white dude. I can't. I kind of really liked it. Uh. I didn't want to like I all of the criticisms you're lobbying at it are one hundred percent correct. This movie's like moral attitude is one that I find repulsive, but it's just so perfectly eighties action cheese that it's just like exactly the type kind of guard. I think what you should do is get the movie uh-huh. and just fast forward it until you see a gun and then a push play and then as soon as it goes the gun goes away you just fast forward it again because the plot is is inconsequential i mean it's literally inconsequential it's nothing it's there's the plot is just how can we make it so that bronson has to do all this murdering and i really think if you just like fast forward till either you see bronson with a gun or bronson with some sort of gadget and watch for like the next chunk of minutes it's really enjoyable like it's exactly the kind of Cornball cheesy action that I just absolutely can't get enough of. All right, I he shoots a that. bad guy with a rocket. He shoots a bad that. guy with a rocket. So I, I with you. Like from a from a moral attitude position, from a personal position, like the politics of this movie suck. Like, I mean, they it sucks, but. It's so perfectly 80s action and I just like I can't not recommend that to people. So the I will say it's 100 minutes long, which is lengthy for this. It's, I watched it. If it, it, in two if it was like an
1: 85 90 minute movie,
0: yeah. I would probably yeah. be and,
1: more inclined to be like short sure, watch it to hate it.
0: But it's 100 and, minutes. Yeah, yeah. And like honestly the craziest part of that is you could lose 20 minutes in this movie with and lose nothing cuz there's so much talky talk talk shit where you mm-hmm. just I guess get back to shooting people. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Seriously. So yeah. Yeah, so it was it was not as, like, overtly racist as I thought it would be, although it was definitely made by, you know, a conservative in Reagan's America, and it is certainly not a woke movie. No. But the action scenes are just so great. Like, that car flip is awesome, and, like, I get, like, they shot the bad guy with a rocket from, like, 10 feet away, and he blew up into bits. Like, that just isn't a thing. That Could you imagine if they ended an Avengers movie with Tony Stark just vaporizing the bad guy and only boots were left? I'd be down for that. Uh, Me too. There's just like a
1: stain where the guy used to be. I mean, like, I feel like James Bond does that kind of stuff all the time, though.
0: Yeah. I mean, didn't he drop a guy
1: into a smokestack from a helicopter?
0: Yes. But that's, like, not the Daniel... The Daniel Craig Bond is more like those Bourne movies where the action's kind of gritty and real. And I like my action movies to be stupid. Like, I, I really would much rather it be dumb than realistic. And so I want a guy thrown off a balcony and landing on a car, and I want a guy shot with a rocket. Like, I don't I don't want to watch people actually fight. Like, I just... That's not a thing that interests me. I want to see the cartoon. But I
1: will violence. watch Daniel Craig in a bathing suit on a beach. I
0: Daniel Craig is a great James Bond. Those movies are very enjoyable. I just... The fight scenes leave a little to be desired to me, except for the Bond Fifty, where they had the like Home Alone ending. I thought that was magnificent.
1: Is that was that um, Spectre? I think so. Because yeah. the, the Craig ones are Casino Royale. Um, uh, it Wasn't Quantum of Solace? So the oh, then h- there's four for him. It's uh,
0: Skyfall is the one I'm thinking Skyfall. of. I think. I think the end of Skyfall is like Home Alone, where he like sets up booby traps in his childhood home. Oh, and he I've catches not- bad guys. I like the music yeah, in those movies. But I've never seen a whole lot of them. No, it's great. And Judy Dench has a really big part in that one too. Uh but yeah, anyway. I think I have to recommend this movie. Like I really did not I was expecting to just clown on this movie for a whole podcast and I like the action parts are just so good. The rest of it is trash, but there's like 20 really great minutes here and I think that carried me through the other 80 that were kind of meh. Um there is another one of these that came out. So this killed uh canon films went bankrupt shortly after this they owned the death you wish don't race, say so. well uh, i think canon films went under for money laundering reasons oh i think there was yeah i don't think it was i don't think it was like because they made cheap movies directed it, direct, you, you mean
1: filmmaking wasn't the key interest of this production company
0: <laughs> no i think they were i think they made movies like the same way that blumhouse works now or it was incredibly cheap mm-hmm. and then they in, in this case, they released them direct to VHS And they made their money in the rentals Because okay. you know, that was a legit business 30 years ago yeah. um, But they eventually went bankrupt And so there wasn't another Death Wish movie Until 1994 Which means that Bronson would have been 73 I think by my, if my calculations are correct 72, 73 years old uh, In that one, I've seen it Like clips of it He uses a the machine gun that Arnold uses In the Terminator, like a Gatling gun Yeah like, from an airplane or Is it a mounted helicopter? mounted on his walker? It's something like that. And he also has a bunch of rockets, and he's blowing <laughs> cars up left and right. So I've never seen it, but I've heard it's ridiculously over the top in the best mm-hmm. way. Uh, yeah, so that's, I would say, I would say watch at least parts of this, because they're really delightful. There's, I'm sure there's a, hits, a hit clips on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Um, that does it for this edition of February. don't forget to check us out on cynical cartoons uh we were on that last uh the same day as our previous episode dropped we were at the on that talking about the police academy cartoon uh, don't forget to review the show wherever you get it we just got one recently from dk smith 323 uh, and that review is radical this is, which is a great headline. Great job, DK Smith. This is one of my favorite podcasts. Thank you. Most of the movies I've seen that they dissect makes me want to watch them again. As for the ones I haven't seen, they make me want to check them out. There are also movies I've seen but forgot about, and listening to Trip and Andrew brings it all back. I like that a lot of the movies they do are available on streaming platforms like Netflix, Hulu, and Prime. Keep at it, fellas. So thank you very much, yeah, thank DK you. Smith. That was a really nice review. Thank you so much. Uh, sorry it took us a little while to get it on the air, but we had some episodes backlogged for a vacation that we were just recently on. Um, so sorry it took a little while to get out, but thank you so much for that. If you want to hear your review, all you have to do is leave one. That's it. There's no special trick. There's nothing to do. You hop on the iTunes, you leave us a review, and we read it on the air. Uh, you can also get at us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dissecting the 80s. It's at Dissectomania. Sorry, it's at Dissect the 80s on Twitter. And uh, you can always call the hotline, that's 856-D-I-S-S-E-C-T, or give us a call, or uh, rather, shoot us an email at dissectingthe80s at gmail.com. So, now that we've done all that, I think we should tell you what our next episode is. We will see you
1: again March 12th, coinciding with the very release of Heathers on Paramount Network. We will be dissecting the cult classic, Heathers.
0: So thank you very much, as always, for listening to the show. And don't forget, if you like the show, tell two friends. We can't tell you how many times we talk to somebody who says, hey, we just I just discovered your show. I really enjoy it. And I ask them how, and they say, because my friend told me. So be that friend of this podcast. Be <laughs> all that you can be, Dissectomaniacs. Tell two friends if you like the show. If you know somebody who would like it, please share it with them. That's the best way. The podcasts get shared. You tell somebody that you like it and they listen to it. I have been Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until March 12th for Heathers. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. (laughs)